Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to this Monday's Wealth Creation Show. Afternoon, Jim. How are you? I tell you what, the people on TikTok and Instagram are thinking, how did he do that with his lips moving? <laughs> so yeah, we're live, we're live. Jim's streaming live, Instagram, TikTok. I have all the other platforms here. Yeah. We are live. Keep it interactive, guys. Please comment and ask questions. We'll try and get to them all uh, at the end. If something's relevant, we'll answer it as we go. Um, but today's topic is, and we're going to speak about, can money buy you happiness? It certainly so, helps. <laughs> yeah, it certainly does help. But um, yeah, I think a lot of people always refer to, oh, money can't buy you happiness. I mean, everybody's aware of that. But like you say, Jim, I think it's a, it's a, it's a big element of helping you achieve a, a, a place where you are in a kind of happy mindset and you've, you're able to provide yourself and maybe your family a certain level of lifestyle, which, in turn, brings, which in turn brings happiness. See, to anybody out there, if anybody ever says you says to you, money can't buy you happiness, your first response to them should be, have you tried it lately? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, it does, to a degree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jim, we, we were talking on and off throughout the week. Uh, there was a few statements and things that people had said that you, you'd run past me and I, we were having a discussion about do you want to share some of them with us this morning i like to, i like to if the one thing you know about me i love podcasts i love listening yeah. to people like the oracle of omaha which is warren buffett charlie munger uh, uh, second command at berkshire hathaway which is warren buffett's company um and uh, mike tyson people like that people that have trodden a path to success uh, and sometimes failed but come up successful again I love these type of stories yeah. because they teach you a huge amount of knowledge and wisdom, more than likely. Wisdom is where you don't pay for it. In other words, you're gaining somebody's wisdom. They're making the mistakes and it's costing them the money. And all you're doing is watching them and think to yourself, I'm not going to do that then. <laughs> or I might adapt that, what he did or she did, and I'll, I'll do this instead. And I think that'll work. Um, there's a huge amount you can learn by wisdom. And probably that's why we talk about the Wealth Creation Show and what we're talking about now. Uh, one of the, Ty Tyson's know, quite a good one, because, I mean, he lost it all and then got it back again. So, Well, he, you know, this is a really profound one. After meeting great people, a lot of great people, and even though they were great, it didn't mean to say they were actually good. Primarily, I want to be a good person because all great people, but all great people are not good but all good people could become great what a statement eh? that that to me is that's quite good that, yeah. very profound now i don't know if that was actually tyson but he says it and it was to do with something to do with one of the kennedys uh, one of the kennedys actually said that not anybody in politics or anything like that but one of the family actually said that and he always remembers that um that key point uh, the other one is uh, actually is uh, just a wee, the, the wee throwaway statements, but it's great to keep yeah. them with you and in your mind. Uh, the, the key is not to win, but to be in the game as long as possible. And it's the people that are in the game as long as possible are the people who ultimately end up winning and becoming successful because every dog has their day. Now, this is just my add-on, by the way. <laughs> every dog has their day, yeah. and you've just got to hang around long enough to be that dog. If that makes sense. And you have and to be in the game, right. then you have to be in the game. If you're not playing the game, then... How did you become so successful, people say? I just kind of hung around long enough. Just kept going. <laughs> and yeah. kept, kept doing the same thing. And eventually, 
it's it's the old it's the old thing about you know probably fashion classic example you know you've got these fashion designers and they go out of vogue uh, and then you know 20 years later they come back in the mainstream again they make an absolute fortune again yeah so the first time around they make a fortune they go out of vogue for 20 years they come back again they make another fortune and that's effectively like what most people do and everything they do whether it's a career whether it's a family life whether it's raising children you know that you know you'll always have your failures but you just make sure you've got more successes to compound that that's all you need yeah. to do charlie munger actually said quite an important one i was it was this morning actually actually it's the weekend it was actually i saw it you know i've got to say um <laughs> TikTok. TikTok's great for things like that. You've got to be, you know, you've got to be concerned, obviously, because you can get addicted to TikTok. But there is, it understands me now, so it shows me the things that are completely relevant to me. But Charlie Munger said, you know, Berkshire Hathaway, um, he said, there's more to life than money. Wait a minute. <laughs> that's unusual for Charlie Munger to say that, because you kind of think that's what they're all about. This guy's 99 years old. Charlie Munger, 99, and he's still knocking it out of the park. This guy's worth two billion, by the way. So I'm going to listen to him if he says something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might not agree with it, but I tell you what, I'll still listen to him if he says something about it. There's more to life than money. If all if all you succeeded in life to do is to get rich, early, get early rich, that's what he's saying, and passive passive uh, holdings of little bits of paper and that's all you're after in life to get early rich and passive bits of you know little bits of paper and holdings what you mean it's stocks and share certificates and you and you do that better and better and and, and only that for all of your life then basically you failed in life life is more than just just um, you know stored income and passive income and wealth accumulation <laughs> And he's absolutely right. And this actually takes us on to this. This is this is why, you know, this is see how the, now I've probably seen that statement loads and loads of times before, but it just so happens at this point in time, we are now focusing on this. Can yeah. money buy you happiness? And that's why that's probably popped up and it's resonated with me. I thought and then it's, re and it's more relevant, yeah. Talk about that. You know, yeah. so you know, what what's your thoughts on this, Richard? A, a gut reaction. Yeah, I mean, looking looking at things, um, when we picked this topic to talk about, I was researching, and obviously people, when you think about money buying your happiness, the first thing you think is money can't buy you happiness. That's that, that's a really uh, saying that I think everybody could uh, relate to hearing as they grow up from maybe their parents or their grandparents. And yeah. mm -hmm. I mean, people always associate um, this with uh, something they're told when they grow up when they a lot of people think about winning the lottery and having all this money and and what they would do with it i mean that's something that i think everybody's uh, toyed with and explored in their mind uh, having lots of money and doing all these extravagant things and then that's when money can't buy you happiness rings in the back of your mind because you were totally were told that when you were growing up but then for me really i don't think having all this money and buying all these excessive things is really what I would concentrate on. I think it's more to have money to be able to live more comfortably, especially yeah, in times yeah. like now. I mean, people are struggling to, I mean, people are choosing between heating their house and feeding their family and things. Do you know what I mean? In times like this, you're just grateful that you've got money to live what, comfortably. What? That's an interesting statement. Mm -hmm. But is that the case? People are choosing between heat, you know, how many this is people what you are, hear in the media. Yeah, this is what you hear in the media. You hear this one soundbite, and how many people are actually choosing between heating their house and, and feeding themselves. 
you know, you've got to think about that as well. What's the context of that and what, what size of that is? And that's all very well, but where's the circumstances? What did they do in that position to actually get into that position in the first place? Or what did they not do? That's why they're there. So is it our duty to actually just bail all these people out all the time for making all these mistakes and just throwing caution in the wind and pissing it up against the wall? You know, for some people, that is like that. And yeah. for some people that need that, that, and that's why you've got a welfare system to help these people, that's down the welfare system not working properly. That's yeah. not anything where where everybody points a finger and goes, let's eat the rich, it's their fault. They've got all yeah. the money. It's no fair. It's like, they've got all the money because they've worked for it. And yeah. they've actually, they've spent the, they've spent the hard knocks in university. They've been at the hard knocks university. That's why they're in, that's why they've got almost an entitlement to it because they've done their time. Yeah. What has that other person done? But I would then prescribe to the fact that, you know, um, well, look at the classic example where somebody's due me six months rent and then mm -hmm. we looked on the Facebook page and they've been away to Benidorm. Wait a minute, you're due me six months rent. You said you can't afford it, but then you're you're on your Facebook page in Benidorm with your yeah. girlfriend having a great time. I'm effectively paid for that. Is that the type of person? And that's probably the type of person sometimes they'll wheel out and go, oh, this person's getting evicted because they can't afford the rent. It's terrible. And all this. He's just been a bloody Benidorm on my money. Yeah. <laughs> and I've paid for it. Yeah, so yeah, you do need to look at it on the flip side like that. I mean, I was listening to the radio the other day or through the week, right, and this was referenced to this cost of living crisis and how people are living and having to make these kinds of choices. And I thought, God, that's pretty dire. I mean, and then and it did make me think, like how 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 much is this actually going on? How many people are actually in this situation? Because to be in that situation, well, I wouldn't like to be in that situation. I've um, been in that situation. Yeah. I know what it's like. I de I definitely know what it's like. And when we first started out, homeless, unemployed, nowhere to go, all the rest of it, didn't have any income at all. I desperately leaned on the the welfare system to try and help me out, and it was deplorable. Yeah. Unbelievable. It just does not help people that want to try and help themselves and get a, get up. It's, it's designed to keep you exactly where you are and very make it very difficult to break out of that cycle. It's all it's all it's 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 almost like it's almost like designed to keep you in poverty, mm -hmm. the way the system works. It doesn't reward you for trying to get out of it. It actually penalizes you. And that but that's again a failing of the government. Um this is quite interesting that somebody, you know, inspire for success says less yes, like buying a rental and holding on to it. I don't know if you meant if you meant if that's, in a positive way, what Malton and statement was <laughs> about yeah. you know buying. This is actually quite interesting. Buying a rental and holding on to it. Well, why do you do it? Well, to to develop the income. Yeah. To to afford the things that you couldn't afford to buy, um, to give you a lifestyle later on for your early retirement. You know, so you can maybe retire a bit earlier than usual, or you can maybe go on that holiday. You know, with the accumulation and 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 you took the risk in the first place in order to do that, and you built the wealth through that as well. You know, so do you not deserve that success? Do you not deserve these rewards? And and if it goes down, you also take that risk. Nobody, go, nobody, everybody wants a bit of your reward. Mm -hmm. You can see that, eh? You eat the rich thing. Everybody wants a bit of your reward. But when you lose, they don't all come along and say, I tell you what, we'll chip in and bail you out. No, it's like you're on your own, mate. <laughs> that's effectively, that's how, that's how it works. We all want a bit of what you've got because it's no fair you've got it. Well, considering I work Even though you worked hard, hard enough to get it, yeah. And put my life on the line for it, effectively, because you know that story. And most people that know my story know that story. Yeah. Um, and 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 but but when it comes to helping somebody out, because it's no working how it should have worked, and these people turn around, it's like, ah, you're on your own, mate. It's like 
I can't do anything for you. <laughs> I'm not going to help you. So that's that's the sort of thing. Yeah. That's the sort of thing. It, it, it's a it's a kind of double standard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. And I think just to go back to what I was talking about when I when I referred to like obviously people imagining a lottery win in comparison to, I think it's like when we look at people that are um, at this level where maybe they are struggling to pay for things, and then you, you think, well, money can't buy you happiness. But I wasn't. I, I don't. I don't think it was really happiness in terms of let's have enough money to go and buy a yacht. It's more money to be happy and live comfortably without having to struggle. And I think that's a different element, an element of happiness that I would rather have above all. We are going in my mind, it's like the object of the exercise of having the money is not to make you happy. It's to it's to it's to be content. And I keep yes. saying that to a lot of people, it's if you're in pursuit of happiness, there'll be more days you'll be disappointed because you'll never reach that happiness level than actually be happy itself your objective for the exercise in this should be to be content with what you've got so far but just be a wee bit uncomfortable with the fact that you're prepared to push yourself to the comfort zone to reach a wee bit higher Bowie talks about it and you, you've probably seen the, the the video he talks about it when he's getting interviewed and he says you know creativity is quite challenging and the way to do that and the way to evolve, and, and especially in a business as well. But he says, you know, it's it's just like being in a swimming pool where you're just about to enter the deep end and you're on your tippy toes uh, entering in the deep end. And everybody knows what that feeling's like when you're on your tippy toes. You're going flopping out. It's like, I'm trying to keep my head above the water. And it's like, he says, what happens is just push yourself that wee bit extra so you're just, just out of your depth. Because that's when you become more creative. For solutions to get yourself back on track and that's the point of when success and exciting things happen yeah but i'll provide that and say it's not all about excitement remember it's like you could be excited every single time but actually no get anywhere as a result mm -hmm. yeah that's like we always say boring pays well um and also boring a lot does definitely pay well i would say that and there is a lot of people that spend a lot of time and spend a lot of money just being busy for the sake of it but not actually really developing anything or building something that's going to um allow them to excel further and 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 progress in what they're trying to do they're just running about being busy there's a lot of people yeah, like what's your thoughts on this you know there's a, a connotation coming somebody said it in a comment yeah. the other night and i'm quite interested to hear what people's comments are about this you yeah. know and the fact that you know um just because somebody grew up in a, a poor council housing estate um, they don't have as many chances to to do and become wealthy as anybody else. I, I wouldn't agree with that completely. I mean, opportunity is what you make of it. You need to seek opportunity to then be successful. And absolutely, I, mean, I grew up in an ex-local authority house. Um, I still live in one. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, but um, yeah, that's what you make of it. So, and I was pissed wow. at one point. And I never had two paintings to rub together. I was more in debt than ever. And I never had a job and I was unemployed. Mm. Never had any skills, never had any formal education because I came out of school with four O grades and a, and a passable higher maths. And that was about it. I had no yeah. prospects on the horizon because I'd just come out of a job as a window cleaner. So, did I moan about the fact that I was disadvantageous? You know, how come I never had this? And how come I wasn't entitled to a house or a roof over my head? How come the council didn't home me, house me when I was homeless? Well, I'll answer that question because I was a single guy on his own. Mm -hmm. So they just went, bah, you're no priority because you're a single guy on your own. 
All right, so is everybody else getting priority then? <laughs> says absolutely, they do. It's important enough. <laughs> yeah, but but there's lots and lots of examples out there that people grew up in these environments, even worse. I, I would I would argue as well, I would, or a debate as well. You know, for the people who actually think they're in abject poverty right now here, and we're getting a wee bit off the track here. But yeah, let's, let's just let's just get this while we're here. People who argue they're in there, go to Africa, into Kenya, and live a couple of months with these people. And their mud huts, they're as happy as ever, and they don't have anything near what we've got in this country at all. Even the most, even the most poorest people in this country, and the access to education, the access to uh, welfare, the access to health that they don't have in these countries. And then you come back and tell me you're you're hard done by. Yeah, that's just on a different level. That um, and people maybe don't appreciate as, as much as what they're going through compared to what poverty might be. I mean, there is poverty in this country, and that's the thing, I know that. But, um, I've seen it. It's unbelievable. It's like, see, when you go to Marrakesh in Morocco, it's like you see these people lying in the street, and literally they're disfigured. And it's not yeah. it's not deliberate, because some gangs do that to get money, like the Fagan sort of thing and all of that. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but th these people have no, they have no healthcare system, so they're just basically left to for to rely on handouts in the street and people give them as beggars. Um now to me, <laughs> that's that's poor. Yeah. It's no having a roof over your head and maybe no having maybe no having any formal education and maybe possibly no way to put the fire on or maybe having to miss a meal now and again. These people have nothing. So it's a definition based on the current surroundings you're in, I would say. It deems if you're poor or not. Um, you know, I've seen it as well, um, where poor's actually been classified as you don't have access to broadband or sky television. In case you're disadvantaged when you go to school and they tell you and all discussed programs are on sky and you don't have access to it, therefore you you can't be in that group. Yeah. I've sat around the table with, with social workers and that, and they've actually said that. It's like you're poor if you don't have that, so we need to give people access to that. I don't even have Sky. <laughs> it's like, holy shit, that's a fortune. There's no way I would be paying that. It's like the, the only thing I've got is broadband, and that's that's only for this. And um, that's primarily what we've got it for. And everything else is online and, and viewed online for free. Council yeah, you can stream it well, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, but like back to obviously money making you happier and um Sometimes people that have got more money maybe are a wee bit more stingier. Maybe or well, they say they live frugally. It's probably better than the word stingier. Mm. I'm, just my, I'm just reading from my cues here. Yeah. But I mean, we've already know that people um, in a comfortable living standard, um, obviously not having to worry about money and clothes and food, etc., are generally happier uh, than those who do genuinely live in poverty. And um, they may be happier, but research shows um, that some people may be a wee bit more stingier if they've got more money. So I was, I was looking at things here, the University of Manchester had done a, a survey and it looked at the differences between donations to charities. And this, this will resonate quite good with you, Jim, because um, yeah. I know that you, you do a lot of charity work. I um, looked at the difference in donations to charities between high incomes and low incomes um, and people who are, are earning at different levels of the income um, levels. So their findings were that the poorest 20% of the population donated about 3.2% of their gross monthly income to charity. And that was compared to the same 20% who only donated 
uh, of, and, and that's in comparison to those with a lower income. So it means that they were more generous than the people with a higher income. Now, mm. what do you make of that, Jim? Well, I know you do a lot. You do a lot of charity work and give a lot back. That's lies, damn lies, and statistics. <laughs> I'm only reading the statistics. When, that I got. when you look at that, uh, 3.2 percent of somebody else's income at 100 pound a week is only 3 pound 20. And then well, if you I look think at, you'll get 0.9 percent if somebody's on a hundred thousand. Yeah. You know, it's it's that's a completely different figure. That's nine thousand pound or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so yeah, and I didn't so, think about that. I thought so in the monetary wise, wise they're yeah. talking about percentage, but the person that's obviously a lot less than clearly. Uh, has a lot more to 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 lose, so it's proportionally mm-hmm. a lot higher in terms of their income that they're taking in. They, uh, you know, it's quite interesting. Um, you talk about stingy, and and we use that word, but I think um, the people that are wealthier tend to actually live within their means, or they live yeah. under their in their means. They live under their means. In other words, they know they might be bringing a thousand pound a month, uh, but they know if, in order to make something. They either have to spend only seven hundred and save, invest, uh, or 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 they invest maybe two hundred that a month. Uh, they left. They've got eight hundred left, and they say that's what I've got left to spend. That's that's the that's the wealthy person. The the person that um, is not so wealthy tends to look at that thousand pound coming in and say to themselves, "Well, I've got a thousand pound coming in. Uh, what can I spend? And what can I buy? And what will make me happy? And uh, have I got anything left to invest? Yeah. Oh no, I've no." Uh, well, I'll just leave it to next month. So they don't understand the value of investing for the future. That That's probably key and fundamental here. You talked about Stingy as well. Actually, this is actually a true story. This happened at the weekend when I was sitting in a sauna. There was, there was a proper sauna, by the way. No, <laughs> no one of your dodgy saunas. <laughs> but I'm sitting in the sauna and I'm just overhearing this conversation with this guy. And he's telling this young couple how he how he gets money off of stuff. And he says, my wife's often saying to me, oh, you're terrible. Can you're always doing things like this? And he was now proceeding to to explain a, a conversation, how he went online and he bought a garden furniture for, um, and for £550. Um, then he went on back into the company before it was about to um, uh, uh, deliver it, but more or less when it was in delivery and in transit and said, actually, that was meant to be £450. It was on the website somewhere. And then they went, well, go and show us. And he went, oh, he gave some cock and bull story about how how he how he couldn't find that um, that original post because he's no website savvy. Wait a minute, you just ordered it online. Um, <laughs> he's no website savvy, so he couldn't find it. But they said it's a good a sign of goodwill and good faith because they were out and it was out. It was out distributed. It's, yeah. it's in dispatch. It's like the amount of money to take it back because I know what it's like. We're working in that environment. Is, is prohibitive. So they gave him £50 off. So he basically is doing fine. And he says, well, you know, could I not get a bit more and all the rest of it? And eventually gave him another £15 off. And then when it got delivered to the door, the, 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 the you know, the, just the box it was in had a wee bit of bash on the side of the box. So he proceeded to open the box at the bash. It made the bash a wee bit worse. And then he's proceeded to loosen off part of the furniture and then take a photograph of the furniture uh, loosened off. And then, this is what he's telling this young couple in front of me, and then he took photographs of it, and then he sent it to the company, and he said, you know, this got this was bashed and delivered and all the rest of it. He says, uh, and you know, I'm wanting, I'm wanting, oh, well, we'll give you another £20 off. No, no, it's going to cost me more money to get somebody to build that for me, because they're going to have to fix it. Mm-hmm. And he went, oh, well, we'll give you £50 off. And you go, oh, well, you know, and still hopping and moaning about it. Wait a minute, you're, you're, that's fraud. Why? Yeah. <laughs> you're defrauding that person. It's, it, it, so basically, this is what he's proceeding. And, and you could call that stingy. But in my opinion, that's just deception and fraud. Yeah. And that's how a lot of people actually work. 
they think they're entitled to do stuff like that because these money, these companies have loads and loads of money. So yeah. they can afford it. It's like, but you're cheating. You're actually lying and cheating to get this money. So, and that's what I would call stingy. Yeah. I would say, I would say somebody it's it's really prudent at, at yeah. man, ma money management will will work out that, you know, I'm getting a thousand pounds a month. I'll invest 200 pounds. I've got 800 pounds to spend. What can I do with that? Uh, whereas the person that has the same thousand pound a month and they're broke is I've got a thousand pounds to spend. If I've got anything left, I'll, I'll invest. It. It. Otherwise, it, yeah. I'll go on to next month. Yeah. That tends to be the person, in my opinion, that comes back and starts complaining about how successful and rich other people are. Yeah, would agree. Good. I thought we were going to have a debate about that. No, <laughs> no, I would agree with you there. I do, and I don't. I don't think the the, the word stingy is maybe or being stingy. Do you think this guy will be happy? Do you think no. he'll be happy? Do you think that was a really good situation? Because look at the amount of stress he's put himself through to try and get that discount. And he's walked away and gone, yeah, that's brilliant. Look what I've got. And all the time they used. The turmoil basically. and the time yeah. that he's used to do that. You could have spent that same amount of time actually generating some money, generating yeah. income to actually earn enough to actually just say, look, that's no bother. Mm -hmm. I could afford that. I'll buy it. And I'll pay you a decent, I'll, I'll pay you a decent price because I realize, and this is the key here, you've got people to pay and people to employ and look after with their pensions, as well as you've got a, a facility to run and bills to pay as well. And the wider community to look after as well. But no, I'll try and rip you off as much as possible. That's what he's basically saying instead. So I believe that that person will probably be broke for the rest of his life. He even talked about how he tried to do it with the existing sauna place he was in at the hotel at the crown plaza <laughs> well, he was in it. i honestly <laughs> and i'm like we're having a laugh and i just had to i just had to keep my mouth like, mm, mm, i'm surprised i, just, I, I, I might so. the way through this i was surprised i was well, waiting on you saying well i, I just kind of kept really really quiet never said a word and just kind of kept myself myself closed my eyes and i thought i hope to god you do not ask me for my opinion because i'm going to give it to you both barrels <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to basically say, is that not just defrauding? Well, that's, <laughs> and deception. As and there isn't really much way to address that up uh, any other way. That's what it is. But uh, but yeah, in reference to what I said about the the people at different level of incomes and what they donate and things, it does say on on my on on where I found the the stats and things that that these findings don't really give you the actual definitive answer to obviously does money make you happier? But yeah. you could probably deduce from that that. If um, if uh, having more money doesn't make you that maybe that wee bit kinder, and a lot of people could argue that that's an essential part of being happy, I think, to be a kind person, and that all comes with obviously donating to things like when people have uh, go out their way to donate to food banks and charities and, and do things like that, then that shows that yeah. you're kind, and I think to to share and be like that and be kind, it kind of gives you that self gratitude as well. I am um, so ultimately you will be happy. Um, I mean, do you want to talk? I mean, Joe, I know you do a lot of charitable donations and things and work with the community and things. Do you want to touch on that just now? Or? Mm. I don't like talking about it. It's I know you don't. I know, I know. But it's a classic example when I look at these TikTok videos and, and videos online about, you know, how they give away and they turn up at the shop and go, could you give me a dollar to help me out? And then the next minute, the, you know, the, like, there's $500 to you for helping me out. And it's like... That's the reason that they're doing that is to earn money out of people watching it and sell you yeah. advertising. And, and it's great. 
And some people do it with the best intentions, but I think a lot of them do it just to actually get more money uh, themselves. And and it's fine if it floats anybody else's boat. But, you know, over the years, probably, well, when you look at all the contributions I've probably given away and uh, and all the rest of it, it's a good two or, two or three hundred thousand. Um, when you look at all the, the rents, I've just said, oh, forget it. Didn't bother. You don't need to pay me. Um, or I'll, I'll, I'll keep the rent low for you or something like that. Um, plus the fact is, you know, you know yourself, our, our drive is, is to um, give as much back to the community as we can um, on the premise that they're using us to sell their house. I mean, the reality is, if you if you have a choice with two estate agents, like you're, they're out there, and one does the same as what you're doing in terms of the fees and charges, um, would you not just choose the estate agent that actually puts most of the money back into the community? <laughs> it's yeah. like, but there's still people out there that didn't get that. It's like, how would you not do that? And that's that's the vehicle that I'm using right now, which is five properties, in order to do that, in order to have that vision. I've had this vision all my life. I used to sit and watch um, Secret Millionaire. I used to sit and watch Secret Millionaire. Now, Kevin Green is a friend, um, was on Secret Millionaire. But these are the stories that inspired me. And I thought, God, if I, could, I would love to do that one day. I'd love to do all these things. Um, Undercover Boss is another one. It's on the now. It's uh, the US version on the television. It's like, I love watching these things. I love watching these things. Uh, you know, people are genuine and people that have put, uh, you know, have been recognised, they put their effort in, into it and they've been recognised for for their achievements. And somebody's actually gone out their way to recognise these people um, and, and, and sort of recognition, but also in monetary terms to help them out. You know, they've got big huge student loans in America and stuff like that. And it's like, no bother, we'll clear out your student loan. And it's like, that's you, you're done. Now, whether they get back to that, because they've got the habits that developed that in the first place is another story, but at least I've given them that chance. And for me, it's about, you know, the the happiness comes from within, but you've got, hey, it, you can't beat it, actually, given, giving someone something that helps their life. That's probably the most rewarding thing ever, yeah. to be able to help someone else without any without any thought of expecting in return. In other words, oh, I helped you, so you've got to help me. Um, we used to call them, when I grew up, they used to call them Indian givers. Indian givers, yeah. Uh, Indian givers. In other words, you class I'm aware of that. Just funny, a lot of younger, younger generation. And the next minute, the, the cowboys would go around the corner, and then they would come down and, and rob yeah. them again and take it back. Um, yeah, sort of that sort of thing, yeah. Um, it's not something that uh, young people don't uh, really know what an ending giver is, but I, uh, yeah, I agree up with that as well. That's same. There's an interesting thing here. Andrea uh, jumped into the comments and says, I found that people who are often the most generous are those who have the least themselves. Now, that's interesting. Probably because so, they know what it feels like. Yes, and I think that's not just, I think, and you could uh, elaborate, Andrea, if you like, in the comments, but that's not maybe just them giving money and, and things and donations and charitable, it's probably their time. They're maybe they're maybe donating their time to help whatever, I don't know, volunteering down at food banks and doing all these kinds of things. Because maybe not necessarily, you don't need to have money to to help people. You, you, yeah. can, you, can, you can just I agree. be yourself and, and help you with your time. It's time. Time is more important what most charities yeah. want. This is quite an interesting comment we've got here. I don't donate to charity because we've excessive CEO and management wages. Absolutely right. I don't donate to these people either. I donate mm -hmm. to local funds and causes yeah. in our community, which doesn't have these huge costs. The ones that will never see the mass market campaigns and the mass income that they receive from these um, to, actually, to, to actually bring in to pay all these wages and salaries. Mm -hmm. Now, you've got to understand, you've got to, you need these sort of to run these systems. You need CEOs and management and all the rest of it to run these systems. 
But that's why I like going for the unseen ones. You know, the local food banks, which don't get any exposure at all. Yeah. Um, the local trust, the local community engagement forums, uh, the local ones that take the kids out of school, and the the you know, for example, the uh, Celadine Trust, which is actually rebuilding uh, the Monks Beauty. So the Monks Beauty is going to be rebuilt, and they're going to teach all these young children um, the, the new skills and boat building and why they should plan for the future and make sure you grow the trees so you can replace the 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 the, the bits of this boat later on with the same type of tree it's got on it now because it's essential. So you need 99 years or something to grow these trees. So this yeah. boat is going to get refurbished in the beginning. It's going to be 99 years, and they're going to have to refurbish it again. So you're going to have to grow these tr special trees in order to get this boat refurbished in 99 years' time. And the whole thought process behind that, look at that engagement for the community and for the children at large. That's priceless. You can't even put a figure on that. That's why these sort of things are so important uh, to do. And that, that's why that's why I do what I do, and this is what we do here for that yeah. reason. Um, does it really buy happiness? We've all heard people saying money doesn't buy happiness. What does it actually mean? People often think if they have all the money to buy the things that they want, take their dream vacation and live in the dream home, they'll finally be happy. Guess what? Newsflash, you won't. Because all your shit that's on your back right now and your baggage is coming with you anyway. Yeah, yeah that's the <laughs> That's the stuff you have to deal with you're carrying about. That's what makes you happy, dealing with what's happening right now and offloading that baggage you've been yeah. carrying about for years. Um, and that takes effort, it takes time, it takes discussion, it takes looking within, um, not buying everything and trying to make yourself feel good, yourself feel good about, look at me in my Ferrari. And it's like, in two weeks later, it just wears off. Yeah, it's like the short-term short gratification short -term for buying hit. material things. Yeah. But more importantly, it's the classic example about, look at me in my Ferrari, and then hopefully everybody will reinforce that, and you'll get a wee dopamine hit every single time. At some time, it says, look at you and your Ferrari, look at your Ferrari, look at you, Ferrari. Oh, look, that Ferrari. And it's like they take out every single weekend so everybody can see it and congratulate them on having a Ferrari. I couldn't give a shit. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. I could do yeah. a lot more with, with that than just buy a Ferrari. No no things about Ferrari people and all this. It's no anything no. personal of that. I just understand a different level. I've been taught by mentors and people far more successful than me and not just monetary terms. I would love, and I'll probably well at one point to spend some time in a Buddhist monastery. <laughs> <laughs> but I have. I have when we, yeah. when we climbed, you know, when we climbed uh, Everest, you know, mm -hmm. we, we visited some of these places, and and I tell you what, I could I could get used to that. I could get used to that sort of, you know, the Tibetan thing and just living in a monastery and being cut off from society and um, and just having that peace of mind and the relaxation and understanding how you have to live, um, all these different things. Um, it's a it's a bigger picture, isn't it? So yeah. so the money doesn't really buy the happiness, but it can afford you to spend that time with loved ones and do the social activities you really want to do. This yeah. is the key here. This is why I always refer to myself as a property time lord. The lack of time can have an impact on all these things that you actually want to achieve. Time is the most important commodity in this world. When you're on your deathbed, the money's not going to save you. No. And more, and more likely than not, people always regret not spending enough time doing certain things or spending time with people first question i ask myself every single time 
every single time I've got to make a decision to do something, it's like, will I sit my, will I lie on my deathbed and will I regret the fact that I'm not going to do this? And if the answer to that is no, it's like, there's no point in doing it. Then. Yeah. How much more do I need to achieve? How much more do I need to acquire? What else do I need? I don't need anything. I might want, but I'm not a want kind of person. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, more often than not, money does come from working and and working enough to earn a high income and that is often associated with long working hours and with little time left to spend with maybe your family and your loved ones and all the rest of it and social activities and that lack of time can have a negative impact on your social relationships and things and, yeah. and with less time to spend the extra money um it can actually make you more miserable really so it's, it's trying to find that balance and and doing that balance with with time and money is, is quite important so, let's go to the university of rome and what they said about this investigating okay. the happiness of lottery winners for example yeah they found that considering their newfound wealth lottery winners were not much happier than those that haven't won it's the baggage that you're yeah. carrying on your back that's the problem here as and what happened is as increased wealth is associated with increased pressure and responsibility the fear of losing it is what happens next. And for people that aren't prepared for having that type of money, because you've got to prepare for this. You've got to, you've got to almost, you've almost got to fake it until you make it. You've got mm -hmm. to wonder what sort of lifestyle and and go through sort of lifestyle and what you'd be like if you did that and how you would handle having that money in order to, in order for that money arrives to know how to handle it and understand because a lot of people actually have become really really successful and they go how do you feel because you're a multi-millionaire now and they go no different than what i felt before yeah it's like because because i imagined it would happen i i lived that life in my head so when i got there hey i knew i was there oh great it's no different than what i thought already or how i felt it's probably even more comfortable now so then you have to set another goal what you want to do next but that's a different story, I suppose. Yeah. So the increased wealth and responsibility, it could explain why lottery winners don't feel that instant happiness and everyone thinks they will feel it uh, and, they, and they, they finally have the money to, to what they buy. And and you know what the, you know the greatest feeling in the world? It's it's and and nobody's gonna be able to do it to me one day because I don't buy lottery tickets. I don't yeah. the only way to win a lottery is not to play it because you win them instantly because you're not playing it. Um, because you're keeping the money, aren't you? Mm -hmm. That's an addictive gambler for you, by the way. <laughs> That's what they say, yeah, when I was younger. <laughs> gambler anonymous. Um, so, so the only way to win is not to play, but but I tell you what, um, I would love to go, I, I love it when people play these pranks on, on other other people about the, the water, cards. Cards. you know, the scratch cards when they've won a million, and and then you see the feeling on them, and you see their face, and you see what they've won, and all the rest of it, and they go, wow. Um, and they freak out, right? I'm, I'm, I can't believe it. Flip an egg. And it's like, and then they go, oh, it's only a joke. Now, you could do two things here. You can go, that's hellish. Why did you do that to me? Or you can go, thank you very much. You, I have now experienced what it's like for someone to win the lottery. That's oh, a yeah, great, I, never, I never thought of it like that. That's a great feeling, isn't it? Yeah. Could you imagine just experiencing what it's like to win the lottery? I could imagine it right now because it's like flipping it. You see the endorphins that I'm kicking off in my mind now. Mm -hmm. All these endorphins that are coming through my system and feeding my mind. 
it's like I have now I'm, I'm a one man drug factory. <laughs> <laughs> Natural <laughs> drugs. Honestly, that's how you do it. Tony Robbins teaches you how to do that, you see. And how to yeah. how to put yourself. You can change your you can change your circumstances in a heartbeat. Just like that. If you know your triggers, which will mm -hmm. release the right endorphins to make you feel the best that you can feel. Don't do it all the time, by the way. Or you'll crash and burn at some point. You really want to pull it out of the bag. You can learn how to do this. Tony Robbins is a master at this. Master. Oh, guru, Yoda, and further. Mm -hmm. So, does sharing the wealth keep, make you happy? I think we've touched on this a bit. Yeah, we touched. I, I, was, I did think about that when we were talking about, obviously, charity work and things. And sharing wealth is, is quite important. And I knew that we were going to, it was, it was on the, the, the agenda to discuss. So, I just kind of, we have kind of covered it. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I think definitely if you're in a position where you have built wealth and you have money, I, then to share it and to give back is a really important part of that. And I'm sure you all we've got a, we've got a study from the British University of Columbia. I think it is. Yes. What, what, so, what happened to that study? What was that all about? Yeah. So the experiment that they done was they had participants receive an envelope which had money in it, mm -hmm. and one group were told to buy something nice for themselves. And the other group were instructed to buy something for someone else. Now, the researchers found that the second group, who was buying something for something else, um, who shared their money with someone else, reported increased feelings of happiness uh, compared to the group who kept it for themselves. And that is obviously about the whole sharing thing. And then that, too, uh, for the most part, I think everybody would feel the same as to share and to give things to other people makes oh, you. No, Richard. No, Richard. You make a you make a huge assumption there. Right. Okay. There's there's more. I I would I would argue, and you're you're lucky you have this feeling. I would argue more people out there don't want to share with other people. Yeah, they right, maybe okay. think they want to, but they won't when it comes down to it. That's probably that's me expecting everybody else. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's how you are, and that's yeah. how the people are you. And and no doubt, you know I'm like that as well, and, yes, it's, yeah, and it's that sort of thing. So you get like the people you associate with, and this is what mm -hmm. it happens. Um, you know, I used to I used to sit and I was in network marketing, and I used to sit and talk about people's dreams and their houses. So I used to tell them in network marketing, you build, I build, we help each yeah. other together, we both make money, and we both, we both, everybody's successful as a result in network marketing. Um, and the more people you help, the more successful you become. And that's the ethos that we, I actually follow right now, still, today, and everything I do. Uh, but I, I tell you, the amount of people that um, I, I used to say, so what would, if, you, if I helped you become extremely successful, what would you do? Who would you help? And there was there was people out there used to say to them, I'd, 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 I'd get to all the neighbours. I would just ram it right in their throat and their nose, stuff it in their nose. And just, you know, I'll rub my money and, and all the rest. I'd buy a car and I'd be doing this and I'd be doing that. And no doubt um, these people today are absolutely stony broke. And and that's because they're type, the type of person they are, because they're not givers. Mm -hmm. Only the giver will be a receiver. And somebody that keeps it all to themselves, nobody will go near them. So if you're absolutely stony broke right now, it's possibly because you're not that type of person that's a giver. It's, yeah. and, the, and and people don't gravitate towards you for that reason. It's 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 the law of it's the law of attraction. It's like it's the classic example of I think it's cast out breath upon the on the waters and it'll come back tenfold. 
you know, it, it's true. It's the, the more you give, the more you receive. Now, you don't need to necessarily, as I said, expect to receive it from the same person. But you will receive it one day in abundance because of what you do. Remember, I'm keying here and I'm, I'm indicating here, you have to take action to do that. Yeah. The more you give, the more you will receive eventually. And you'll find that the more, and, and, and in the beginning, to be honest, if you're that kind of mindset, you all, you know, the first five, 10 years that you're giving, 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 and you're thinking, man, never, kid <laughs> is like, am I really doing the right thing here? Yeah. And it's like, no, because it usually takes, it usually takes you to get to that level about 15 to 20 years um, to get to a millionaire, multimillionaire level of doing that all the time and being that type of person without any expectation. That's the type of person that will be ultimately successful and ultimately wealthy, if that makes sense. Even if you're not monetary wealthy, you'll still be wealthy from within yeah. by the actions that you've done. So you could be the poorest person ever, but you could still be the richest when it comes to wealth of friends, wealth of people that you can rely on, wealth within, mm -hmm. harmony within. That's probably the most important thing for a lot of people. So, I think that for me that is, I think, instead of maybe just cold hard cash, if you want to put it that way. Of course, because it's no doubt then. It's no yeah. doubt the pound shillings and pence, is it? Mm -hmm. It's never down. You can't it, pound shillings and pence is just a measure um, in order to equate to the, the, the rest of society about how you exchange goods and services. That's all it's there for. And so it's like what somebody said there earlier on, you know, it, it's a tool to do good things. And if you're and you know Maybe they're, and I'm going to slant what they said, but if you're the one not doing good things, you're maybe the tool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. And I don't, and that could be in a, that could be in a sarcastic sense, but that could be all the fact that you're actually, you're actually the person, you know, no good anywhere. You're, you're in the system, you're systematized and you're stuck where you are. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so that experiment that I explained there, they, they did also do a version of it with the younger uh, children and, and, and uh, at, a low, at a uh, younger age, and they replaced money's envelopes with crackers and things. And they, they did find that infants and the, the younger aged ones that were sharing showed a sign of happiness to share. And mm -hmm. I think that, then that, they, that seems to show that from a young age, people are happier when they're able to share with others. I think, I think that's... Well, I, I believe, I think that people when they're younger, you don't have a lot of stuff instilled in you and you're very, your your approach and your um, your view on things is very different. It's not until you grow up and pick up all these yeah, yeah, other yeah. people's kind of influence and bad habits on things and how your view on things then changes, I feel. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree. When I was younger, I lived in a family which we competed against each other all the time. Mm -hmm. So when it came to sharing anything, that was just no an option. We just didn't share because we tended to have to keep everything ourselves because it was a case that we we took from each other or basically i got most things taken from me because i was the youngest um so it was pretty it was pretty foreign to me um for to go around at my friend's house incidentally this friend i'm about to talk about today um i just got news that she'd actually died um she's younger than me um but she, i remember nicola very very well eh? and and they used to get sweets all the time. And the first thing they would do is they would put their sweets out on the floor and they would share them with me. And I was like, gobsmacked. I'm thinking, who, who, who does this? <laughs> that's the sort of thing. Now, I'm about seven years old and I'm fighting for everything going because that's the environment I grew up in. Um, and that's how I was taught. You, 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 you eat what you kill, basically. You know, you have to fight for everything. 
Um, and, survival and, Fest. <laughs> yeah, and Nicola and Douglas um, were were two young children um, who were actually taught from a very young age to to share all the yeah. time. Um, and and for me that was that was probably the first introduction to to seeing. And and they must have they must and see at a young age they must have had all that enjoyment and all that feeling about the fact that they're sharing. But I never experienced any of that at all. Um, that was difficult because it was nothing. It was very, very foreign to my environment that I grew up in. It was very competitive. I grew up in the environment I did, um, and even you see it now. You now begin to learn as you get older from other people more successful. For example, the athletes. You know why do they help each other? Why do they congratulate each other on the finishing line? You know what's all that about? It's like would you know you're competing against somebody? Surely you would. You would want you to win and them to lose. And it's like no, no, no. They, they compete against themselves and and if they're not as good on the day, then they congratulate their opponent and say, you know, fantastic. You did a fantastic job. I'll get you next time round. And I might do the fantastic job. So that's kind of how they look at it. So sharing anything probably makes you a lot more happier. And you're right about that, about the kids when they're all brought up and stuff like that yeah. and, and how they're brought up. So probably the best introduction to that is, is to introduce at a very young age uh, to let children understand and, and probably environments where you can be able to demonstrate that that is more enjoyable to actually share your success with other people. Yeah. And that'll, that'll be a whole round well-being. I mean, we're not talking about society where everybody just has everybody else's and, you know, everybody's got the same wage and the same everything because yeah. that's not going to work. That's just no, that's just no human nature. Um, well, that's not hardwired into us as caveman, um, and that'll never go. By the way, the, the hardwired caveman instincts—it's—it's um, it's stuck with us for life. It's hardwired into us, um, but but I think that's the most important thing. So, yeah. So you talk about wages. Yeah, you talk about wages and salaries and things here, Jim. And there's uh, other studies I've looked at, and and they talk about a money threshold and a, or a money threshold for happiness. Yeah. Um, now there was a study done. This was done at Princeton. It's, it's an American. Mm -hmm. um, study but obviously I thought it was quite relevant and there um, they have believed that there is a threshold of uh, happiness basically and what how much you earn and how much money you could actually can actually bring you happiness uh, and once you surpass that threshold mm -hmm. it no longer affects your happiness so what they done was identify the threshold for money buying happiness at seventy-five thousand dollars, it was. Um, so one, once their income income surpassed the seventy-five thousand per year level, um, it was reported that happiness plateaued, and earnings of seventy-five thousand uh, dollars mark as uh, more money than and more happiness and more than this, and it's it's any more than this would just create money problems basically. That yeah, and that's yeah. what their study Imagine was that, set yeah. out to. I, I could vouch for that. As you get, yeah, as I was you just going to say, what's your thoughts on that? As you get more, you have bigger problems with money. In other words, yeah. how to keep it, because because it's not easy. And then you have to, you've also got to have learned all the habits to acquire, to not rush out and spend it like it's going out of fashion. Mm -hmm. It's like I used to get told when I was younger, my mum and dad used to say to me, "Your money burns a hole in your pocket." <laughs> Every single time I used to get told that, money burns a hole in your pocket. Every time I had something, I had to spend it. See, that, I think that's strange because that's yeah. not the you that I know. Imagine that. That's not me. But that's how I was when I was younger. Money burns a hole in your pocket. As soon as I got money, I just had to run and spend it. Now, whether that's a, a dopamine hit thing is probably it's probably the exact thing it was because because of my circumstances when I was younger. Uh, and that, But that's another story. 
But instantly enough, that's sixty thousand pound, seventy-five thousand dollars. Yeah. And they think that's the the money threshold to buy happiness. But what you don't and a lot of people in this country could be um, in the UK could be going, flipping egg. I tell you what, thirty grand would buy me happiness. Um, mm -hmm. But that's because they don't they have to pay for their own health care. They have to pay. They have to pay yes. a hell of a lot more for everything else. They have to pay for their own education. They have to pay for everything. Else. So, so, so the sixty thousand pound in their money terms, uh, seventy five thousand dollars, is to pay for the lifestyle that we we could probably buy for thirty grand. Yeah, effectively, I, I in my opinion, um, that's that's a level that I think you know for me personally, I think yeah, thirty forty grand, I'd be delighted. Uh, at that yeah, level, yeah. Uh, you know, I've got no aspirations to have huge amounts of spending, um, and I, I probably live off that now. <laughs> I probably live off less than that than I actually. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that you obviously you mentioned that obviously in America and things they have a lot more expenses in terms of medical and things that we already have access to through the NHS. I have a cousin who lives in New Zealand and avoids. Or, or look, she looks after her teeth and she looks after herself because a trip to the dentist there will cost you a fortune. Do you know what I mean? But uh, do you know, like even just to go have a checkup on your teeth or something at the dentist is crazy. We take advantage of the fact that we've got all that included in our NHS. Yeah. I mean, we we have spoke about Jim having the advantage of having that bit extra money. You could do private healthcare and things in the right in the right situation. Um, but uh, I think we Absolutely. are lucky to have the NHS anyway. I, 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 I can't decry can't that situation, the fact that the NHS, but however, it's good to have, you know you've got the affordability if you need it in order yes. to build the private healthcare system um, if the NHS can't afford. I mean, look at my knee right now. I, I'm, I've been stopped for running because of my knee. Uh, I can afford £65 to go to a physiotherapist for a session at 65 quid. Now, in the early days, I'd be thrown up at that. I'd be like, Oh my God, that's a hell of a lot of money. Uh, but in the context of my health and being allowed me to get back into what I'm doing, that's kind of what I did. Why I why I did what I did in order to afford that uh, for, for to do that, and that could be another ten sessions. That could be six hundred fifty quid. But what am I going to do? It I kind of take it with me. So surely my health more important. My dad, who's on his way out in Parkinson's, he's literally at the point where he can't even walk now. Now he's got a lot of wealth. Okay. I told him to pass it on to the kids. I don't want it. Um, but so pass it on to the kids when you go. But he's on his way out. He's probably got about two or three months, I would say. And he's he's had enough. Um, and he's on his Zimmer frame. And that's literally. And Elaine says to him, you know, do you want to go around the shops? He went, well, my frame's not really great. The wheels are wobbly and all the rest of it. And she said to him, well, why do you not just buy a new one? He says, get the £30 on Amazon. Cost a blooming fortune. What? have <laughs> got about three or four months to live. What is it, Mark? You're minted. You're not taking it, will you? Even go, even try to get my standard stair lift. It's like standard stair lift. You need to get one. Jim round the corner only lasted eighteen months with his. Never got value for money. <laughs> it's like when you fall down the stairs, and if you fall down the stairs, you ain't coming back out of the hospital. Yeah. That's you in there forever. If you break a hip, and he's like, I'm not getting my money's worth it. My standard stair lift, though. That's why he's no buying one. No buying one of them. It'll damage the staircase. Who cares? <laughs> it's funny how that's that's his uh, that's his mindset on that. And obviously, it's just the way he's always been, and it doesn't change, even though he's maybe at that time in his life. Obviously, where see the valuable lessons that I learned out of this. 
it's like my god you've literally got about three months left possibly and it's and you're still yeah. quibbling about the fact that you know what i spend another tenner than what it's worth or 30 quid for that and it's like you've got all that wealth and isas and saving schemes your house is all paid off and it's like oh my god you're notating it with you mm-hmm. Yeah. But you, that that sort of mind—that's the mindset you have to break out of. You have to understand that you don't need to. I don't. I'm not saying to run, throw caution in the wind, and run away out there and spend an absolute fortune and just whee for the rest of your life. It's like, but there's when you get to that age, there's this fear that you're going to run out of money. But when you put it into context, if you've got a million quid and you've only got twenty years to last, then effectively you've got fifty grand in cash, no tax, by the way because you've got a million quid in wealth and it's no taxable because it's in your bank now or it's in ISAs, you could effectively spend 50 grand a year for the next 20 years. Do you not think that's going to give you an enjoyable life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, folk didn't do that. They didn't work the sums out. They don't actually sit and say, but what if I last another five years beyond that? I didn't think you're going to really spend 50 grand a year anyway, to be honest, but I'm kind of just giving you the idea about you could spend 50 grand a year for the next 20 years and you'll still run out of money. Because more than yeah. likely that money will have gone up anyway, because it's in bank accounts and savings and bonds and stuff like that. Because you would you would hedge it a bit and make a bit more money on it. Mm-hmm. But you're really going to last another twenty years if you're at seventy year old. You're going to last till ninety. Oh, but what if I do? It's like, hey, cross that red when you come to it. Yeah. What does it matter? Yeah. If you're making it to ninety, <laughs> you're you're lucky. So. But you're going to be real pissed if you die ten <laughs> after ten years and you and then you leave all that money. It's like, well, you're not going to be because you'll never know. Yeah. Now, it's interesting you talk about age, Jim, because the next part I was going to touch on was obviously age and, and gender and how that plays a part and and what we're talking about today. And researchers have identified that the idea that money can buy you happiness is influenced by a range of factors and age and gender and things come into that. They identified that as we get older, we are less likely to hold on to the belief that money can buy you happiness. And, and furthermore, that that the gender differences um, compared to, to men, women are less likely, you know, this is not my opinion, this is just what I'm reading, uh, that women are less likely to believe that money holds the key to happiness than what men do. So that's quite interesting. It's possibly because oh. men are more structured and logical in their approach, and they think yeah. the accumulation of wealth will buy them the things that they need to attract the women that they want. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a real good theory for right, it. Right, that yeah, that's an interesting. Whereas women are emotionally led, and they don't believe in the you know oh I need the fast car I need that I mean there'll be some women out there with these sort of traits but that's fine, but they're more emotionally led so they're they're more within themselves and think you know I'm if I'm happy within myself that's where my true being is, whereas men is like I want people to see me as successful. I want that because that's a man. That's a look at me, Mr. Caveman. If I if I look the most successful, I'll attract the best mate. That's going back to primate. That's exactly how that's exactly how the, the man's hardwired. I'll attract the best mate if I'm the biggest body, if I'm the most successful person. You know, that that's what yeah. that is. And then women are more emotionally led and look at men and go, oh, he he looks to it. Because here's the classic example. When a man and a woman meet together for the first time, and this is just generic, so we're no gender. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like stereotypical. Uh, man and woman meet together for the first time, and the the the, the oh wow, the oh the fantastic and all the rest of it. The the oh the moon and the stars has come out. It's absolutely wonderful. The two of them think that, and then they go away to speak to their friends. Okay. The men, the men's friends, first of all, go to themselves and go, 
What does she look like? Is she beautiful? Oh, God. She's absolutely gorgeous. Oh, oh, jeez. It's like, oh, she looks beautiful. And, oh, she looks beautiful in this beautiful now. And she's, oh, she could, she could wear a dustbin liner and she'll still look beautiful. She could shave her head and she'll still look beautiful. That's how men's hormones work. That's how they work in natural. And that's how a man works all around them. When a woman goes to speak to her pals in a women's group, the first thing they don't say is, what does he look like? It's, what does he do? <laughs> yeah. Because they're about nurture nature in order to create an environment for them genetically. This is how it works, hardwired, for procreation. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you, it's science. It's we're hardwired for this. This is why this is why this happens. And they think, who's going to be the best provider for me and my family when it comes along? Yeah. And that's why the rest of the women go, what does he do? He does nothing. He's a deadbeat then. How's he going <laughs> to provide? Like, yeah. <laughs> that and, and and unfortunately, you know, that is the way it's all hardwired and designed to be. Um so it it different genders hold different ideas about what it is, but in the in the in the majority, they're both more or less on the on the typical stereotype Neanderthal man and nurturing women, yeah, in terms of how they attract and how they interact with each other. Um so we've talked about furthermore gender differences compared to men and women less likely to achieve them the more money and the key to happiness. Okay. So yep. what about get well, more get more bang for your buck or happiness? What's all well, that? Well, we've quoted quite a lot of um, studies and research and things, and I pulled a lot of that together today just to kind of give us examples to try and lead our discussion about does money actually bring you happiness? Yep. And the uh, researchers have found that the relationship between money and happiness might not be as strong as we think. Um, I think it, that there's a lot of debate and there could be a lot of people on either side of the fence here. Um, but these researchers um, put together um, eight principles which they believe, regardless of income, can get you more happiness for your money. Perfect. So I thought like we could finish that. off today and run through these Rattle eight principles. Rattle them principles. out and finish them off then. Yes. So, first spend one. Spend more money. Spend more money on experiences and not material goods. Yeah, I would agree. Made up by um, the people that make the money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> made up made up by the, the companies that want to sell you something. That's maybe where that's come from. So you've got to be pinch of salt. But it's true though. You know, you're you're never gonna you're never gonna lie on your deathbed and, and not remember, not look back and think, I'm glad I went on that holiday. Yeah. I'm not glad I went on holiday. And you know what I mean? It's like you wouldn't say to yourself, I'm glad I kept that money in the bank. Mm-hmm. So it is about experiences and not material goods. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, buying the new car does give you that experience in the beginning. But as I say, it's a honeymoon period and it wears off. And then, hey, you just got a new car. That's it. It's just a new car. And, and I still get that from people when I had, when you know, over the years when I've got new cars, it's very rare now. But I get, a, you know, my camper van, and you know, my T25 uh, 1981 um, uh, camper van, my, my Volkswagen. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's going, let me look at it, let me look around it and all the rest of it. And I'm going like, right, okay then. Well, it's just a camera van. <laughs> it's like, but anybody's looking at this like, like, well, it's you know, it's like, no, it's just a camera van. It's like, it's, it, it's, it's that's all it is. There's nothing to me. There's nothing exciting about it. It's just, yeah, I want a camper van. I've liked the idea being able to be self-sustainable. Caseline kicks me out the house. <laughs> <laughs> I live somewhere to go. <laughs> I have lived on the drive a couple of times actually. Just to, just because I wanted to. It's like I just yeah. put the the top up and I just have my wee breakfast in the morning and that, and just been out in the drive actually somewhere else 
in mm -hmm. the in the elements is fantastic. For me, that's great. That's yeah. That is uh, a that's an experience that money yeah. can't buy. Yeah. So that's so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And could you imagine if if you have really young children, it will do that with you. I used to do that with the kids with the tents. You used to you camp out in the back tent, garden, the garden yeah. and stuff like that. You know, I used to do it as a wee boy as well. One well, my pals, we used to camp out in the back garden, yeah, and then we go in the middle of the night and <laughs> create havoc. So I say, steal the milk, Jim, or yeah, steal the milk. But and yeah, also, another tool to help yourself. The reasoning behind this is that we are social beings, so anything we we that we can improve on social connections ultimately invokes more positive feelings. Yeah. This is why about helping others is it helping others is it's debatable by saying it's a quite kind of selfish motive mm -hmm. because it's you it probably gets the best buzz out of this about helping another person although you shouldn't go in to do that you should go in with sincerity but but only time will tell if you're that type of person right buy yourself more smaller uh, treats instead of a few bigger treats the old saying it's the little things that come to mind yeah do you really need that extended warranty? Buy less insurance. We all have we we have all buy expensive items and get drawn in by the insurance offers 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 that we think protects us against the inevitable, which often it doesn't happen. Insurance is the biggest scam going, isn't it? It can be, yeah. <laughs> but that's why Berkshire Hathaway and that's why Warren Buffett loves insurance companies because it's like it's money for old rope, really. You're you're protecting the downside, but you're making a lot of money insurance, and the, the catastrophic event will never harm. But it's actually it's actually hedging people against that event. I, I talk about it quite a lot in my vitalite portfolio, and the fact that I'm insured, but my excess is a thousand pound. I'm only insured for disaster. In other words, if the house burns down or if it's completely destroyed, like, for example, what happened recently. Yeah, and that's £20,000 to rectify that, plus the loss of rent. That's covered. Yeah. That's why I don't bother about the insurance, really. I, it's just, and my insurance for my portfolio is very, very minimal in comparison to everybody else's who actually can't take the risk of having a £1,000 of the £1,000 excess. Mm -hmm. But I'm quite happy to do that. Because it's very, very rare on the risk on the risk of probabilities, um, on the likelihood of probabilities that that will actually happen in the future, and that's how the insurance companies work. They're like a betting shop, really. Yeah. So yeah, insurances, you said, Jim. Yeah. Yeah, probably the fifth one for uh, do the opposite of buy now, pay later, um, pay now and use later. So in other words, what they're saying is, it's, it's, it's we are less likely to be tempted by the immediate reward and go for something for the long-term benefit. Um, for example, you may choose to choose a banana to eat for later than a chocolate bar to eat right away. Yeah. Um, think about the details you've missed out on. Um, when imagining your dream house or your dream car, you only focus on the details which please you. Focusing on both the pros and the cons will help you see the bigger picture and helping you to spend money for long-term happiness. Be cautious when comparison shopping. What do we mean about that, Richard? I think when you're using comparison websites and things, um, it may cause you to lose focus of the, the details and the features mm -hmm. that you need to make uh, to make you happy. So instead of focusing yeah. on the features that help you distinguish between items, such as the price, you may go with the cheaper option Bag yourself a bargain only later to realise that isn't exactly what, what you're, you're looking, looking for in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I've learned my lesson with running gear. 
you know, yeah. when you get T-shirts and when you get uh, shoes and stuff like that. I mean, you know, it's a false economy. Uh, buying the the least, you know, I used to go for the cheapest sports direct uh, sort of thing, and then I started to realise that Salomon, the material uh, you know, it was really good quality for your for to protect your um, your feet and also protect your joints mm-hmm. as well, because they were all they were built uh, properly in terms yeah, of their design yeah. and stability. Um, so that's the type of thing that we're we're thinking of there. Um, follow the crowd. Well, we're looking to buy the wish list item. Look at someone who's already purchased that. Um, do they seem as happy as you you think they would be by buying the bag or the shoes? Is it going? Is, is it is it like going to the cinema and watching a movie based on a recommendation? And if you think about it this way, you'll figure out what's really important and what you just want on a whim. Yeah, I I, I do every single time now. I am not a person that does impulse buys. I learned that with a car I bought a mini metro years ago, Austin Austin, Austin Metro at Targets. You know, basically, drop our heart. We bought it. Honeymoon period. This is what I talk about. Two weeks later, I thought, did I really need that? <laughs> I could have just, I could have just kept the, the mini and just patched it up. Did I really yeah. need that? That's the, that's the classic example. So yes, look at somebody else who's bought it already and look if they really enjoyed it. But also then think to yourself, do I really need it, or is it just that I want it? That's probably the right thing to do. Let's let's wrap up. What money money doesn't money yeah. doesn't buy happiness, right? Well, everybody says money doesn't buy happiness, but I, I don't think it's as straightforward as it always seems. And we've, yeah. we've covered a lot of that today. I mean, it does really split everybody into two camps. Um, yes and no. Um, it's not as clear cut as yes, money can buy you uh, make you happy, and but it can make you maybe a wee bit more frugal if you've got money and a wee bit more cautious of how you spend your money. Um, on the other hand, increased income and things we have looked at can maybe be associated with long working hours and less leisure time. So then having the opposite effect boo, and potentially making you a little bit more miserable. Uh, so, quickly, uh, to, the, to the audiences out there listening and tuning in right now, do you think money does buy you happiness? It would be good to hear some we'll, as we we'll wrap up. These, the, these comments at the end, just at the end of this. Yeah, so more money only really buys you happiness, I think, when you do the right things with it, potentially like sharing your wealth and things like we've discussed today. And so much money can, so much more money can bring you happiness. But we've looked at, obviously, the the threshold there where we, we spoke about that study with the salary, salary at $75,000. That was an American thing we looked at. Uh, any more than that, then your happiness, sometimes in this study, we, they, they found that it plateaued. Um, your age and your gender and things as well, they play a big part in this and how much we believe money is the key to happiness. Yeah. And then we've just went through and outlined the eight principles there and steps which can help you get more happiness from your money and without actually having to make more money. Uh, also, winning the lottery may not be the answer to all your problems. It may actually bring you more problems Problems. Um, yeah. um, off its own and like you say with a lot of money a lot of baggage comes uh, with that so um that's something to think about still there's nothing wrong with having a plan on how to spend your money and your wealth if you have that but just i think to be careful as you do that so i think where does the debate the debate sit with everybody i think it's really going to be interesting if people join in and tell us what do they you think, think. Money buys your happiness yeah. or do you think it's quite the opposite now interesting i've got a you know a couple of ones in here who have said uh, no uh, nope um so 
I just my my personal opinion. Um, does money really buy you happiness? I think the money afford is the right tool to provide happiness, possibly for other people. But it comes with happiness comes from within, really. That's yeah. that's what it does. It, it's not the money it creates that. You maybe get the the initial temporary feeling of having the money and think I could have anything else in the world. Look at Robbie Williams. I'm rich beyond my wildest dreams. Remember that when he ran out in his album deal. And yet he talks about that now and says, I was just asked to do something. He says, I felt about a tube, to be honest. And he says, that's the only thing I could think of at the time. Um, and he says, in hindsight, now he's he now realized that, you know, I've maybe got, I've maybe got money, but but I'm certainly not happy in what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you can te- you can there's also the other side of the delusion that you can convince yourself that money does not buy happiness. And the reason that you're doing that to yourself is because you don't believe you'll ever acquire enough to actually have anything that you really want. So you don't want to actually think about it or aspire to it because you know you'll never get it or you don't have the belief you'll get it. Because anybody can get anything you want. You can get anything you want in life. You've just got to work hard enough and work out a way how to achieve it. That's the key here. Because we've all got two eyes, one brain, two hands, two feet, two legs. So most people in the majority have all got that. So, and we've all got 24 hours in the day. So what what separates the multi-billionaire and the person that's, that's begging on the street and all the people in between? Mm-hmm. It's the journey they've taken, the, how they've played the cards they've been dealt with, and the belief they have in themselves to, to 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 know within themselves that they can achieve what they want to what they could what they set out to do, but that's small incremental steps in order to understand that that's not a big mountain to climb yeah. straight away because you'll never ever achieve that and you'll never ever go for it for that reason. It's understanding your mindset and understanding yourself from within, and it's a lot to do as well as offloading the baggage that you carry about you every single day. I don't care who you are. If you're Elon Musk, if you're Jeff Bezos, you might think you're absolutely fantastic and you feel great. But the reality is we all carry baggage, emotional baggage, that we've collected over the years from the time that we've been born. And a lot of us have never offloaded it and dealt with it. We keep buying things to try and keep making ourselves happy, to try and keep diverting ourselves from the real issue, which is you've got to deal with the shit you've got right now first before you can move on. This is why people run out and buy massive houses and fantastic cars and they jump straight onto TikTok and you know Instagram and everything and go, look, everybody, look what I've bought. And everybody goes, oh, that's fantastic. It's like, 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 love, 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 like, 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 like. It's like, look at all this appreciation I'm getting. That's exactly why they do it. But they don't want to deal with the real shit that's going on within their lives. That's why they buy all these things. And that's why a lot of people actually get into a lot of debt for that very reason. They're getting a huge amount of debt because they can't control it because they love that feeling. They love the dopamine hit. This is what the gambling companies, this is why this is why people gamble because it's not anything to do with making money. It's the excitement they get out of it that they can't get anywhere else. They can't get that feeling. I tell you what, that feeling's absolutely fantastic. But I know how to recreate that without gambling at all. So I can have that feeling every single day if I want. 
just don't do it all the time because you'll burn yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> you'll never sleep. <laughs> you're not like a dog with two tails. <laughs> and, and on that note, and, you know, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming on, Richard, and, and debating yeah. this. Um, I, I do think it. You know, I, I do go back to my original statement, though. If, if anybody says to you, "Money doesn't buy you happiness," my first response to them is, "Have you tried it lately?" Yeah, I think I, I think for me, if you're if you're in a position where you've acquired uh, money and wealth, um, it's about what you do with it. And if you are on the journey of working towards building uh, and wealth creation. And, and your wealth and money, then it's you need to question why you're actually doing that and what you're what you're set out to setting out to achieve, I think. For me. Right. Let's finish off with this final statement, which I've never read out in the very um, beginning. I am the creator of my life. I'm not the manager of my circumstances anymore. Quite a good one. Perfect. And on that note, guys, thanks very yeah. much for watching, tuning in, and thanks for coming on the show, Rich. Yeah, right. thanks, Jim. We will be back next week, 12.30, guys. Um, so please join in. And until then, see you later. See you later. Bye-bye to Instagram. Bye-bye to TikTok. See you later, guys.